Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go. It's that part of the program where we drill down on topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. And joining us, it's the usual Monday crowd, Mike Van Solen, Principal at Navigator. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Great to be here. Great to have you here. Adrian Batra is the editor-in-chief of the Toronto Sun. How's Adrian? What a great day for talk radio, John. Thank you for saying that, Adrian. I really appreciate it. It always gets me where I live. (laughs) Kim Wright is the principal at Wright Strategies. Kim, how are you doing? I am delightful, thank you, and I'm having a grand day. Are you? Okay, yeah. well, uh, we Why see... Why aren't we on a patio, John? Well, you know... Because it's still a little gloomy, okay. but it's still patio weather. <laughs> you guys can fight it out outside a little later. I got a show to do. Take it uh, outside, Batra. Take it outside. All right, well, you know, uh, it's getting darn close to that that season, right? Uh, patio weather and what ha- You know... And this is the thing. I mean, people have some nice uh, neighborhoods where they like to uh, get out there and maybe uh, outside, you know, in the patio uh, or whatever. Just go for a walk with the family, the kids, local park. And then you've got certain hoods where there are these uh, safe consumption sites that have been set up. Where on Friday when the premier announced that he's going to shut some of these down or not fund them any further. uh, Mm -hmm. Two of them in Toronto. They still maintain 15 across the province. uh, But... Justin Trudeau went off on, he was in town, by the way, uh, bequeathing us with $1.3 billion in largesse for community housing backlog and repairs. Uh, But he said that these supervised drug consumption sites are being closed for, quote, ideological reasons. And even when you've got the uh, chief medical officer of health, Dr. Eileen Davila, here in the city saying lives are going to be lost, people are going to die. Unfortunately, a few governments that for ideological reasons are putting people's lives at risk. Doug Ford in response says he's responding to residents who don't want safe injection sites in their, quote, backyard, end quote. So let me throw it around the horn. Adrian Batra, do you understand the impulse from neighbors and community people and Doug Ford in representing their interest, or do you think he's being short-sighted, myopic, by uh, closing these things because it, it... jeopardizes lives. Premier Ford um, is acutely aware of what he said and the consequences of what he said with respect to this whole group of people that are saying, hey, we want to save injection sites. This is what we want in our community. No. Go for a tour of one. Go for, take a ride along. Actually see what these things are all about. I have. I did. About six months ago. It is uh, troubling it is unfortunate, but putting my personal val- like viewpoint of it aside, let's look at the long-term implications of it for a community, for the area in which you live. I know that on Torontonians in particular always want to talk about not in my backyard, nimbyism. That's, that's a thing that we actually have. Uh, in this instance, they're not wrong. And for the municipalities... Toronto in particular, that wants to continue to push these into communities that are that don't need it, don't want it, don't have have the have the value for it. Uh, I think Premier Ford 
is speaking for a lot of them, and a lot of them are going to support him for it. All right. When you say don't need it, uh, that's exactly the principle upon which the prime minister and the chief medical officer of health talked about uh, needing these. And there's Justin Trudeau saying his government believes in evidence-based policy. We know that the evidence is very clear. Safe injection sites save lives and so on and so forth. So Kim Wright, I mean, by withdrawing the funding or shutting these places down effectively, two in Toronto, downtown, Sherburne and Dundas, and, uh, you know, which is an area that's kind of given over to a lot of people with mental illness and addictions. And then you've got Kensington Market as well, the St. Stephen's Community Centre. Doug Ford being hard-hearted, just acceding to the wishes of people who want to live in a placid community. Well, let's take this a step back. When the City of Toronto started looking at the Toronto Drug Strategy uh, probably about 20 years ago, these same residents were saying, we don't want people shooting up in the park. We don't want needles in our in, in the alleys. We want to make sure that you know, harm is reduced and, and, and the like. What we've seen in the evidence of safe injection sites is, is that, A, it does save lives because people who are overdosing because of whatever they happen to be consuming, they are getting the help that they need. There's also evidence that moves these people from their addictions to getting help. You can't force somebody to get help. We all know people who have addiction issues and you can't force them into this, but when they are ready, those supports and services are there. The other thing that the premier seems to be forgetting because he's like, well, you know, we've got them and spread out and it's a few kilometers here and there. These are these two particular sites are in downtown Toronto, yes. But that's also where some of the need is greatest and people need to access the services. And what we have seen time and time again, especially in the St. Stephen's House example, that people are getting the supports they need, they're getting the help that they need, and it does save lives. Whether he wants to believe this from an ideological perspective, and this also goes back to something I said last week, this isn't about people who can afford treatment. This is about making sure that people have access to treatment where they live and where they recreate. And unfortunately, I get that there are people who don't want to have people with mental illness or people with addiction problems or people with any sort of problems in their neighborhood. But that's also part, part of the price of living in a city. We help. We have to take care of each other. All right. Well, uh, sort of that's the nub of it because, you know, I know in your paper anyway, uh, mm-hmm. Adrian, Sue Ann Levy has written extensively about the uh, – site at 21 Park Road and claims that a lot of the neighbors are apoplectic about that. And there's they are. all kinds of detritus. I mean, Sue Ann has written extensively about it because she goes there, she understands it, she talks to the people, she's on the ground, she's spent time, she's spent overnight, she is not just, this is not like just a frivolous thing that you need to say because you don't want to have um, this happening in your neighborhood. This is a reality for, for thousands of, of Torontonians in a particular area who didn't ask for it, weren't willing and or anticipating that something like this would happen. I don't disagree with what Kim is saying with respect to needing these services, needing access to them. But is it appropriate to be putting them in the heart of certain neighborhoods where we 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 could find um, better resources and and really this really goes back to me, John. As city council likes to spend money frivolously on anything and everything, it's a sort of the pathetic special interest public politics that we see all the time. We really want to help addicts. We really want to help these individuals. Then we should be investing in the long term strategy with um, public health care and, uh, um, and uh, addictions 
that don't necessarily plop one of these things in the middle of a neighborhood. All right. Well, let me get Mike in here. You've been silent and patient, yeah. but, uh, you know, to Kim's point that that's the price for living in a big city. How do you feel about it? Well, look, I think we can be a little bit more sophisticated in how we think about these things. First of all, it's not ideological. The Ford government has has looked at this issue, has recognized that safe injection sites have a place. Uh, there, There is a bunch of sites that are, continue to be funded, and they, they it continues to be di- a dynamic response to this issue. Um, I do think it's appropriate to look at different communities and make sure we don't allow sort of a ghettoization of a certain area where it becomes the confluence of all these sort of societal challenges. We see that one of the challenges on in Vancouver in the Lower East Side is, uh, you know, folks with issues are there. So we put more services there. And then because services are there, more folks come in. And I think you have to be sort of thoughtful in how you sort of plan out these services to make sure that 20 years down the road, uh, you don't have a whole community that, uh, you know, looks like Vancouver East Side. And certainly those bigger uh, services are required, mental health and addiction supports. But uh, look, I think the government has said that we need to be mindful of the different communities and the impacts that there are for having sites like this concentrated in an area, no different than uh, if you put all homeless shelters and you concentrated them in an area or even, you know, other other services. So I think uh, they're taking a dynamic sort of look at it. And um, and I get these these communities are uh, n- not, uh, you know, not already think they have enough of that stuff in the area um, and the government's working on it. Uh, they recognize safe injection sites are going to be part of the solution. So uh, I think it's a lot of uh, a lot of smoke from a these, PM. These are, these are co-located locations, right? We're not talking about pro- areas that are just this plopped in the middle of a neighborhood. The way that the program was has been designed from the beginning is that they're co-located either because they have the services like a St. Stephen's House that has services and addiction counselors, or they were co-located with a Toronto Public Health facility. And that was the the hue and hue and cry over them going at Young Dundas Square was, well, the city runs. The city of Toronto has a public health uh, program there called the Works. They own the building, and that's why it was going to go there. It makes sense to locate where there are the professionals as well as the access to the services. Have you been there? Yes, I actually have. Have you gone and you've walked around? Absolutely, and you've talked to the police officers that have that patrol the area. You've talked to the citizens. I've also talked to the BIA down that street. Talked to to the community, the residents. Adrian, I've done my homework on this. Absolutely not something that needs to be no one wants, either no one wants no, to have it of course nobody of wants course they're it. not going to want it but ultimately we need to be able to help people and sticking it in a corner and acting as if it's going to go away because golly we've got a couple of spots out in northern etobicoke that maybe people couldn't get to people that- do not accept and should not accept their public resources are very finite public resources going and continuing to perpetuate what, certain addictions. What has continued that to happen, then, then for Adrian, then your thoughts is be, would be that police officers and fire and EMS workers shouldn't carry naloxone kits? Because frankly, that's what we're talking about here. We are talking... That's new. The, it is still public resources by your same argument. Gosh, we shouldn't help them. Let them die in the street. That is not what we're talking about here. It's how do we help people? How do we make sure that people get the services they need? And frankly, let's also put a pin in this, but uh, even the addicts are taxpayers too. Are they? Yes. But I think it's a bit disingenuous to suggest that the public resources and the public dollars that we as taxpayers pay, we always have one fundamental value. We want to take care and make sure that those who are the most vulnerable, who are the most um, at risk, are taken care of. I don't think that there's actually an, an, an argument when it comes to that. 
But the challenge is, you is don't you think addictions are, should be part are, of that? We are talking about individuals who have chosen a certain lifestyle. And yeah, addictions is absolutely but part of that. Are you suggesting there that people who are diabetic? Well, let me finish, Kim. There is absolutely a, a significant part of those who are addicts. We have, yes, we have a duty to care. That's a fact. We as a society have chosen that those individuals who are at risk have done that to themselves. We are going to pay our hard-earned dollars in order to make make sure that they are safe. What I am saying is that those in, those citizens who did not uh, choose to buy a home, rent in a home, invest in an area that they didn't think or expect that the city was just going to arbitrarily put areas that they were going to potentially put others at risk – that is unfair to them. And that is a broader public policy conversation that we can have. Well, not let's saying have that whole, take away the funding. Let's have a whole I'm not conversation about that. around I'm how not do we saying take away people that. who... I am simply saying that's exactly that you what you're saying, are absolute, No, I'm not. You're no, exactly no, saying no, that. No, this is you're a saying very that these typical, people have chosen to have very, an addiction. This is a like very typical argument be, that those on the left will always put on anyone that actually wants to question or actually hold anybody accountable for the dollars that are being spent and where they're being spent. I'm suggesting we spend them wisely and, and shipping people all over hell's half acre because it's inconvenient for the folks at Cabbage Town or Kensington Market as their communities and are gentrifying. And why don't you then go after the folks in Rosedale, Kim? Why don't you actually talk about those individuals maybe in Lawrence Park? Let's, why don't you wait, let's let, have why that we conversation. Them? Why are we limiting safe injection sites to certain areas in the downtown core when we also know that You're addictions happen? City Hall. Why are why are those city councillors not actually allowing those discussions to happen? Well, considering the province is the one who and the federal government who have the opportunity to say how many safe injection sites we actually have in the city. It's important conversation that they actually say, hey, yes, we're going to open the opportunity in Lawrence Heights and in Rosedale and in lots of other communities where addiction happens day in and day out. But, but that's not, but that is not, won't. of course they don't, because it's not politically palatable to admit that we have addicts in the city for the same reason it wasn't politically palatable to acknowledge that we've had politicians who have drug issues, who, who uh, we have had doctors oh, who really? have drug issues. You're, now that you're going to no, go down that road, I, like, you're, I, like actually, the leader of your party Actually, did? Adrian, that's if what, what I was now? saying was we have doctors, we have lawyers, we have politicians. I wasn't talking about the mayor. I was talking writ large. There are lots of people who have lots of we addictions. Know exactly have, what you're referring to, Adrian. Don't Every, you dare all start. The leader, all the leaders. I, in fact, know was, exactly what you're referring to. I was talking about the fact that in the general population, we have a lot of people with addictions, and some of those are closeted addictions. And we need to make sure that people have a safe space to well, it's really to get unfortunate. It's really unfortunate that those on a political, a certain political side of the spectrum, want to use a former mayor's. Adrian, you're trying to suggest. To make I think it, it was an important. Argument. I think it's it really was brave. All right, let me just let me just call a truce here. Uh, well, and, you know, and it's been a feisty one. I appreciate that. Whether or not NIMBYism is justified, sort of central to my question. Uh, but now we know that. <clears throat> excuse me. There are all kinds of dimensions to the story that's not going away anytime soon. So I appreciate both of you getting very passionate about it. Doug Ford obviously is a lightning rod for a lot of issues. Uh, here's another one. We'll pick up on this as the next topic worthy of discussion. Uh, he's being mocked for his opposition to the federal carbon tax. So I wanted to unpack what this story is all about. And we'll do that next. Mike Van Solen, Adrian Batra, Kim Wright, everybody's good? Okay, uh, we'll Welcome be back. More Oakley <laughs> in a moment. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.